So this podcast can sometimes get a little into the weeds, we realize. So this week, we wanted to step back a little and take in a broader view. So we're on the line this week with our senior vice president in China, Matt Margulies, for an on-the-ground check-in of what's going on in China. From the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. Matthew Margulies is our senior vice president for China operations. So, Matt, it, it's been a long time since any of us have been to China, uh, and the prospect of returning anytime soon looks pretty slim. So what I would like to hear from you today is what you're seeing on the ground these days that you think we might not be seeing here in Washington or New York or other places that our listeners might be sitting. You're right. It's certainly been a challenging few years for China watchers and for businesses with staff and executives moving between China and the rest of the world. As many places across the United States and elsewhere in the world pretty much returned to what appears to be a state of normal or at a minimum coexistence with the virus, the contrast between China today and the rest of the world feels more stark than ever. Of course, to date, China has maintained what we all refer to as a zero COVID policy, which over the last few months has actually evolved into what is now called a dynamic zero COVID policy. Um, COVID zero and dynamic COVID zero, whichever you want to refer to, would both appear as basically incredibly strict COVID standards by basically any other country in the world today throughout the pandemic. But for China's standards, dynamic zero that we're dealing with today is itself an evolving concept and could even differ uh, across different areas of China, for example, Shanghai and Shenzhen. Um, But it basically means a slightly higher risk tolerance for case counts, mass testing and frequent repeated testing to ensure any outbreaks are kind of ring fenced and don't spread too far. Um, but still with the strict shutdowns inside those ring-fenced areas. Now, that's not particularly a new message for this audience, but the COVID situation in China versus the rest of the world and China's centrality to so many supply chains and companies and economies, it really shapes so much of the discussion and what's happening on the ground and what might not be seen from outside China. Sure, that that makes sense. So I know we can sit over here in D.C. and we can track how many cases there are in China and how many local spots are closed for quarantine or testing protocols or whatnot. But maybe you can dig in a little bit beyond that, beyond that impact of the the real literal immediate sense of quarantine or testing. Beyond that, what do you see happening on the ground due to COVID? Sure. The first observation I have and that I've been thinking about a lot lately in a number of Um, Our work engagements, whether that be with the Chinese government or our members based in China or others, is is the perception gap in attitudes towards the China market. Uh, For me, I increasingly feel like the businesses that I speak with across China have a predominantly positive view of their experience here and their future optimism on their businesses' prospects in China, which really contrasts with what their headquarters tends to think about the market or hears about the market. Um, I've informally started polling people and companies, kind of an ad hoc complement to what we formally do in our annual surveys each year, just to take the pulse uh, from our members on their views on operations here. And I have to say, in conversations both in Shanghai, where most of our members have their China or even APAC corporate leadership, right? these are people that are focused on profits and losses, investment plans and corporate strategy, but also in conversations in Beijing where Lots of members are focused on policy and legal issues, right? A lot of challenges, which are two different subsets of members. The views are still very, very largely positive, right? From members across sectors, I hear levels of optimism consistently being scored at seven or eight out of 10, 
right? So very, very high levels and very consistent levels uh, of optimism from companies that I speak to here. And while I contrast that with conversations I have with folks from outside of China, I get a lot more concern, a lot of uncertainty, and really mistrust about intentions of the Chinese government with respect to American industry, and certainly uncertainty about resource commitment from companies to be in China, given the number of macro and geopolitical concerns on everybody's radar. And so what I see is this perception gap within companies where some, where, where folks that are operating in market have a much more rosy and optimistic view about operations and potential here, whereas folks that are not here um, are having a much more pessimistic or much more uncertain view of, of the market here. And that is undoubtedly shaped by COVID policy and the inability of people to, to talk to their customers here, to talk to local governments here, to be um, in touch with their staff here on a, on a human to human level. And so that's been a major impact of, of COVID policy. And I think we'll have long-term ramifications for U.S.-China relations and U.S. policy towards China. And then, of course, Chinese policy towards the U.S. and the rest of the world. I also don't want to dismiss the views of those that are outside China because they are very, very valid, right? Members um, still have a number of regulatory challenges in China that are longstanding and can be seen as somewhat systemic. And so um, there are a number of areas the Chinese government has made things more challenging for American or foreign businesses over the years. And so when I think about this issue, I, I kind of reconcile it internally with three simultaneous realities. The first is that near term, the market in China is still quite good for most foreign companies or American companies in China in most industries that we deal with. Second, long term, the prospects and direction of the Chinese government and its reform um, and its openness to foreign companies are, are valid questions. But long term, there is great uncertainty for American companies in many, many markets today, not just China. So it's always difficult to project long term scenarios. But if we're looking at China specifically, there, there are valid concerns about long term optimism here. But three, the levels of optimism that we do that I do here um, from companies I speak with, while they are high today, um, are definitely lower than they were a few years ago when people could move in and out of China freely, and certainly are lower than they were 10 years ago uh, when companies felt there was a, a let's say a greater desire from the Chinese government to hear input from foreign businesses during the policymaking process, which seems to have um, changed a little bit nowadays. Okay, that, that's a good foundation to lay for listeners. So, I mean, it, it seems like the picture that you're seeing is is more nuanced than, than what we may be seeing over here. From a commercial standpoint, companies are still doing well and still, t- still see potential for themselves. So, uh, any other observations? Sure. One other observation, uh, as there's a fair amount of discussion nowadays of boycotts of American brands or now even at a more macro level, anti-American sentiment or anti-Western sentiment, um, which is shaping views of China in the U.S. and elsewhere. I would say that online, on social media, or in official media, or in a lot of government messaging, you certainly can see a lot of negative views about the U.S. And this may sound somewhat basic, but I would say China is a really large place with a lot of diverse views. So it's hard to paint the picture simplistically solely through the lens of what um, official media or official government messaging towards the U.S. Um, is. In a cosmopolitan place like Beijing or Shanghai, where I spend a lot of time and where a lot of our members are concentrated, um, which I know does not necessarily represent all of China, um, but you certainly hear diverse views from people on a lot of issues, on politics, on geopolitics, um, and even on policy issues and regulatory issues that our companies deal with. I don't personally feel significant anti-American sentiment. um, And even on the topic of Ukraine, 
I hear a lot of diverse views and debate from your regular people on the street here or you know regular people in my social circles and in the social circles of people around us uh, it's not a solely a uniform view and so the environment for expressing a lot of diverse views or counter views especially publicly i think it's fair to say is not fantastic today here but on the reverse side i would also say that people do still voice their opinions in a lot of ways and you know one example is i do sense a growing frustration with covid policy here it's not it's not everyone and it's not pervading everything but um, you know, not just on the inconveniences for life here with a lot of shutdowns and testing and travel restrictions or office and factory closures, but also with some of the unscientific procedures and the second order effects that's having on people, right? Just this past week, a nurse uh, in Shanghai was having an asthma attack. And so she was taken by her family to the ER of the hospital she worked at only to find out it was being disinfected for covid so it was closed and then had to travel to a far away hospital to be treated in the middle of an asthma attack and ended up passing away. Now, that's that's one anecdote. It's one story, but it went very public here uh, this week and caused a lot of anger and frustration um, and reminded a lot of people here about a, a similar case that happened in Xi'an previously where a pregnant woman was denied treatment during a COVID shutdown there. And she also ended up passing away. And so and so my point here is I. I, I do see diverse views being presented, right? There's not solely, solely only one opinion of people here. Um, and the second is that while there is negative public messaging on the U.S. or official messaging on the U.S., I don't feel it in a personal way in my life as an individual in China. And I think that is important to keep in mind when we are uh, thinking about China and trying not to paint with uh, an overly broad brush or too simplistic of a view, right? China is a big place with a with, with a lot of diverse views and opinions that we need to um, that we need to take that into account. Yeah, this has been a good kind of high level read on things that we might be missing with our, our focus on day to day COVID policy changes, kind of missing the forest for the trees, one might say. Um, to that point, I think you're also planning on doing a more regular delivery of some of this view from Beijing kind of analysis for for companies, right? Yeah, Ian, you're right. I'm, first of all, happy to join the podcast anytime. But yes, I do plan to share some more views. Um, as long as there is an appetite for further views from on the ground here, I would just say to members, uh, please stay tuned for some newsletters that do take a, a deeper dive into some of this content or the context of you know, what's happening on a human level um, in China, uh, especially for, for American companies operating on the ground. But thank you for having me and looking forward to being back again soon. All right. That is good to hear. Thank you for all your insights today. And we look forward to more in the near future. Again, Matthew Margulies is our Senior Vice President for China Operations. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council. And you can always learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please do leave a rating and review. It will help other people to find it. And as always, thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week.